conscious aging, which means not turning away from aging, not trying to stick it over here. And then active compassion. We have to be really kind to ourselves because this is hard work. It's hard work helping. It's hard work not helping in the wrong way. And it's hard work aging. Home with Growing Older is a nonprofit organization which believes in peer learning and creating discussions which bring the lens of aging to a variety of topics. At Home with Growing Older is proud to be your host of At Home on Air, a bi-weekly radio hour offering connection, community, and knowledge to our participants remotely. Now, we invite you to listen and learn from this live recorded episode of At Home on Air. Welcome everybody to At Home on Air, conversations that shape the experiences of later life. I am Susie Stadler, an architect and executive director of At Home with Growing Older, the producer of this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred platform and share it with others. I would like to encourage others to follow the example of our loyal season sponsors, Rhoda Goldman Plaza and the Walnut Foundation. 80% of our work is done by volunteers, and we would love to grow our capacity with more funding. Zen-inspired living for all. This is becoming a reality for some with a new project by the San Francisco Zen Center. We will be talking about the story and practice of this new kind of senior community. I am talking with Zesho Susan O'Connell. She is a Zen priest and currently serves as the spiritual director of the Zen-inspired Senior Living Community Project at Enzo Village. So thank you, Susan, for joining us and welcome to At Home on Air. First of all, congratulations. Enzo Village broke ground last fall. I can only imagine all the roadblocks you and the Zen Center had to overcome in realizing this project. I wonder what the major emotional and societal roadblocks you encountered along the way. Well, yes, it was uphill most of the way. I think everyone on this podcast will understand the, the level of denial of aging that almost everyone has. And you might be surprised to know that Zen teachers are not any different. Even though we study impermanence and teach impermanence and know we're going to die, it just isn't going to happen right away, right? So there was resistance within Zen Center to actually talk about this. And then when the idea came together, there was still resistance because it seemed too big and it meant change. It meant leaving the San Francisco Zen Center and going somewhere else. Very, very hard for people. Very, very hard. And I think one of the reasons that I was able to bring it into reality is I just outlasted them. I knew they were not thinking right and not really considering their bodies and minds and what support might be needed. So I just said, okay, I'm going to stay with this against the flow because I believe it's beneficial. And that's often, you know, what keeps us going. On the external side of things, we were bringing a new idea to the world. And we went through three different partners. We landed with the third one and we would excite the staff with this idea. And then as the idea went up to the board level and the executive level, 
it would hit, ooh, that's too different. That's changed. We want to keep doing what we're doing. So that aspect of change is hard for anyone trying something new, but it was definitely on the organizational level. It's hard to do something new in a big way. Yes. And Susan, you said that moving from the Zen Center, of course, not everybody will be moving, but it relates to the motivation of why this Zen inspired living community was formed. Can you say a little bit more about this? Right. So there was a need and a kind of a mission. The need was at the San Francisco Zen Center, we have three locations and we've been around almost 60 years. And we promised our senior teachers who had been there 20 years or more that when we turned 70, we would get room and board for life. The people that made that promise were about 40 years old when they made it and they made it for themselves, right? They were the leaders then, but nobody counted the beds. Nobody said, how many of us are there actually going to be? There was a disruptive event at Zen Center and a lot of people stayed to maintain Zen Center. So we ended up with I don't know, 35 people that we had promised this to. And in order for us to allow people to retire in place and give them a space and food, we would have had to turn one of our temples into a senior center. And that would have stopped the flow of younger people coming along to join the community. And none of our centers really serve well in that way. Even the one in the city doesn't have an elevator. So I said, well, we have to figure this out. And my idea was there is probably a senior living developer out there who will appreciate kind of absorbing maybe 20 of our teachers into a larger community and be able to have something that was a Zen inspired community. So that's that piece of it. We needed to find the beds for some of our people. And the other was, wouldn't it be great to share our Zen way in this phase of our lives to aging baby boomers who might like be able to get it, you know, understand that we're seeking and that we're facing reality. So that was the genesis. And it means leaving San Francisco Zen Center and going somewhere else to free it up for the next generation of leadership. Yeah. And I would imagine that it's a motivation for the successes of the people who now move out, knowing that they will actually have a lifetime commitment by the Zen community. Yes, we sweetened the deal along the way. And now the Zen teachers who are going to move to Enzo Village will get complete support, including healthcare support and food and everything for the end of their lives. So it's a very generous gift in exchange for people who have given their lives to teaching and sharing. And Susan, this gift will be true for the next generation. There are fewer of them than the baby boom, you know, than the silver tsunami. There are fewer right now of the next generation because we have more than 20, but there are people who have left to take care of their retirement on their own. So yeah, those are our units. So 20 beds out of 221 apartments will be reserved for the San Francisco Zen Center and the rest is open for everybody? Yeah, it's open and, you know, they get to live with some retired Zen teachers who they will discover are just ordinary people, but maybe we can, you know, share some teachings and be spiritual companions for people. There's also 30 assisted care and 24 memory care in the community. Your title is the spiritual director of the Zen-inspired senior living community project. 
Can you say what is your intention and how might it manifest itself on the campus? And maybe you can also tell where this campus is. We found a piece of land in the northern end of Healdsburg. We occupy half of a 30-acre piece of land, and we started building in June. So it's starting to go vertical and watching walls go up. The idea for Zen Inspired, it lives in me right now, and it's waiting to be operationalized. Some of the ideas that I've had were not a Zen temple. People don't have to go to the meditation hall, which is in the center of the courtyard, but they don't have to go. No one does, but it will be felt throughout. And at Zen Center, we stand around at at nine o'clock and make announcements. And someone says, I lost my hat. You know, we talk to each other, we bow to each other, and then we go off and do work. And just that little coming together of people who might want to volunteer either in Enso Village or out in the town or somewhere else can feel like they're in a supported group. Some of the forms at Zen Center are, I think, going to be useful. Like we will have someone manage the meditation hall and do the programs of having lectures, but that same person may also be the volunteer coordinator. We are also going to train the staff and anyone who wants to learn in something called contemplative care, which comes out of the experience we have at Zen Hospice for training volunteers to be with dying. We're going to train volunteers to be with sickness, which is harder than dying. Dying dying has a moment and sickness comes and goes. And so it takes different skills to be with that, but we're going to train people that way. I hope that the Zen-inspired nature will manifest in ways that I haven't thought of, but those are just some of the examples. So what do you think will a day in the life of a person at Enzo Village look like? There will be a soundscape, I hope. In other words, there's a piece of wood that is at Zen temples that says, you know, wake up, wake up, don't waste time. And we hit it to call people to meditation. So I can imagine not at five in the morning, but maybe at seven or 6.30, someone will hit that and call people who want to come to meditation. It would probably be a big, lovely, sonorous bell. So you could start your morning with meditation or there's a yoga deck. You could do Tai Chi, you could start your day however you want. And then there are two dining facilities, main dining room and a bistro that's strictly vegetarian, which is going to be patterned on Green's restaurant, which Zen Center started. So opportunity to sit with people and have a meal. Some people are not going to be retired. The average age of the community right now is 73, the people who have put their deposits down. So some people will be working from home, some people will go off, and others will volunteer within the community or in the wider world. And then there might be classes and there's spaces to make art. There will be maybe a lecture in the evening or, you know, some music, that kind of thing. Just a very full life with ceremonies. So death will not be behind curtains or hidden, but it will be part of daily life. Yes, we actually designed an area called the Memorial Grove. There's a very simple ceremony we did at the Zen Hospice where when someone dies, their body is washed, and then the body, as it goes out to whatever vehicle is going to take it away, people follow it with rose petals or or in front or behind with rose petals. And so the idea is the person's body will come down to the main courtyard and be taken into the memorial grove and maybe circumambulate 
a few times, the people who want to be there to say goodbye and the staff that have been caring for that person, and then out through the back into where the hearse or whatever will be. And so you'll see the rose petals on the ground and you will know whether you were there or not at that time that someone has died. And maybe there'll be other ways to celebrate, but things like that. Thank you. Yeah, I wanted to go back to the special way of caregiving because it's such an important part of growing older to accept and to do caregiving and care receiving. When we talked earlier, you were saying you will try to train the pity out of people. Can you say a little more to that? Well, the Zen aspect of what we worked with in the Zen hospice and what we teach and try to live is non-dual practices. So often caregiving is done from the point of view is I'm well and you're not, and I'm gonna help you. And any of you who have been helped in that way have felt what that feels like. So the idea is we're all in this together. The caregiver is also aging. We have a training that has three modules. One is called abiding presence, and it's really a contemplative practice. Whatever it is, you don't have to be a Buddhist, but how do you center yourself and then have that help you during your work? Conscious aging, which means not turning away from aging, not trying to stick it over here. And then active compassion. We have to be really kind to ourselves because this is hard work. It's hard work helping. It's hard work not helping in the wrong way. And it's hard work aging. So those are the three, what I call modules for the training. Yes, it's what I always say that, you know, aging is an extreme sport. It's hard work. <laughs> there was a man at Green Gulch years ago who had been, among other things in his life, a mountain climber. And as he was dying at Green Gulch, he was laying there. And allegedly, the day before he died, he turned to one of the priests who was in there with him and said, this is the hardest mountain I've ever climbed. So that's, that's something I try to keep in mind. Yes, it takes a lot of practice to climb this mountain. Mm -hmm. So the people who have now already registered or bought a place at Enzo Village, do you have a sense who they are? How many of them are already Zen budding Zen practitioners? Is there an interview process? How do people sort of familiarize themselves with the whole atmosphere since it doesn't exist yet? Do they go to Tassahara? <laughs> We started out with a list that I had cultivated over many years as I kept evolving this idea and doing surveys for people and asking for input, et cetera. So we had a list of about 4,000 people when we started, many of whom were attracted to the Zen Center. But we also have a partner, Kendall Corporation, which is a Quaker-based senior living developer. They have 13 communities east of Chicago, and they know what they're doing. We've never done this, but together their values and our values merge. So we had people knowing about Kendall. You don't have to be a Buddhist. I usually say you just have to not be allergic to meditation because it's going to be there. And so, you know, if it really freaks you out, this is not the community for you, but you don't have to be involved. And I know quite a few of the people because this is the Bay Area and I've lived here a long time. I know many of them through Zen Center, but I meet new people all the time. Every other month we do Zoom events for our depositors and we've had people be able to ask questions so I can tell what's on their minds and what they care about. And they're great people. 
really great people. They are not all Buddhist, but they are all, they all care about this time of our life being one of depth, depth and fun. We'll have fun too. Yes, and community, you know? The average age is 73. That means there are people younger than that and they're moving not because of health issues. They're moving to be in community. Yes, I feel what's often forgotten is that senior living is actually multi-generational living because, you know, somebody in the early 60s like me can live side by side with somebody in their mid-90s. And there are very different life experiences which come together. So, Susan, are you going to live at Enzo Village? Yes, I'm one of the qualified teachers. I've been at San Francisco Zen Center 26 years now. And so, yeah, I will be in the first group to move there. Wonderful. So Enzo Village is an actual physical spot, of course, an actual physical village. But do you see it also sort of in concentric circles moving into the community around it? Because it seems there is also a certain attitude about growing older connected to the whole physical concept. There will be interaction between the residents of Enzo Village and the Healdsburg Senior Center. We've already met with the Council on Aging and we'll be interacting with other programs that are being offered in the city. I would like there to be a membership program for people nearby mm -hmm. so that there's a way for people maybe to come to the meditation hall to get a discount on a meal in the bistro, to come to a lecture series. There are things that we'll have to keep just for the community because there are a lot of people and we have to make sure people feel like they have some things that are just for the residential community. But I'd like to see us find a way to open. So I have some ideas about that. Yes, that sounds like a wonderful plan for the future. It also brings this certain dynamic to the village, that it's not a static community. And we have an area on the property that's a very small farm because I wanted to actually grow some food. We have a teaching kitchen in the dining room and we'll really be talking about the earth and food. We have high sustainability standards really good use of water, very, very green. We're as green as you can be. And so I think that the farm might be a place for apprentices to come, farm apprentices, or young kids coming and doing some gleaning or, you know, those kind of things. It won't be big, but it's there for people to get their fingers in the dirt. Yeah. And I'm sure that the experience from Green Gulch will come into play. It seems fortuitous that you have these building blocks already from the Zen Hospice Project to Green Gulch to Greens Foods. It's all blossoming. It's all kind of maturing together. All the things that we've done are kind of coming into this territory of aging. And yeah, I'm pretty happy about it. Yes. Congratulations again. You describe yourself as an entrepreneur, which in layman's vision doesn't really align with being a Zen priest. How do you sort of work this out between these two hats? I'm going to say something very Zen, and I don't know if it'll work or not. But first, mountains are mountains. Then mountains are not mountains. And then mountains are mountains again. So in my life, before I moved into the Zen Center, I was a film producer. And moving into Zen Center, letting that go, and being moved around to all different positions in the temple, which were not necessarily lined up with my skills, and learning how the temple worked, and having to start over, and having to not be good at things, 
is the training. It's a huge part of training. Residential training is 90% of what we do. The rest is, you know, meeting with a teacher and doing some studying, but living in community and supporting the community with your work and trying to be awake and aware and ethical during that time. So I didn't get to do stuff I knew how to do for a really long time. And then gradually I was invited back in to leadership and I was vice president and then president for 10 years. So my ability to have a vision, which is what a film producer does, hold it together get wonderful people to work with who can see the vision and stay with it for a long time, I got to then use those skills. And I'd like to think that I'm doing it differently than I did before I had these 20 years of experience. Thank you for sharing this that really gave an insight. You are listening to At Home On Air, we are now switching to questions by participating audience members in this recorded live episode. If you want a chance to ask your question, visit us at athomewithgrowingolder.org and register for the next live episode. I'm going to start with Rachel Friedman's question about the design of Enzo Village. The question is, I'm so curious what it will physically look like including the individual homes and spaces. And I'm going to add my question to it. Apart from having a temple, how will this support this community spirit in aging? We took two architectural firms and put them together. So a lot of this process has been about collaboration between Kendall and Zen Center, between the architects. We often put two groups together to get the best out of each. The main design elements came out of an architectural firm called Mithun, highly respected, very, very green. And Antonio Perez moved near Green Gulch when he and his company were doing a hundred year plan for Green Gulch. Very involved. He then spent time helping Paul Disco build the new gate at Tassajara. He and Mithun did a hundred year plan for Tassajara. And then they did a hundred year plan for the city center. So They knew us, they knew how we flowed. The central courtyard has a meandering sense to it, places to sit and be quiet, the memorial grove, how the Zendo is situated, indoor, outdoor, lots of light, and you see the outdoors a lot, natural materials, a lot of wood and stone, you know, as much as we can afford. And so there was all kinds of thought going into what feels supportive of having some time and some place for quiet. They are apartments. They are not individual houses. We only have nine and a half buildable acres. There's hills up the side. So it is in nature and across from many trails in the Russian River. It looks California Japanese, right? That's who we are. And that's kind of what it looks like. And there are pictures on the website. Yes, many beautiful pictures. And what just came to mind also is a memory when I was at Tassahara work session once. I was mending window screens. And I hope there's an opportunity, you know, for people to be part of maintaining their space and caring for it, because it's just a wonderful way to develop a sense of belonging. I hope so too. And I know every once in a while I run up against regulations. You know, I appreciate my naivete because I don't stop thinking about things because I think they might not be legal. I'm just going to keep 
trying to see what we can do in terms of people participating. Yeah. Yes. So to another question, Ocean Phillips is asking, is there an intention to be proactively inclusive in terms of race and ethnicity and the full spectrum of sexual orientation and gender identity? So yes. Is our community racially diverse? From what I can see on the Zoom events, because I have not met every depositor, there are quite a few Asian American people. There are no African American people. Sonoma has 1% population African American. So geographically, there's not a big amount of people to pull on and to reach out to. We have reached out. We continue to reach out. And so far, it's not as diverse as we want it to be. There are quite a few gay couples, men and women. I don't know if there are any transgender. They're certainly welcome. We've tried. We will continue to try. And I just want to say, you know, the diversity question is really painful and hard to answer. And if anyone has any ideas, I'm really open to other ways of reaching out. We have some planned in the future. We want to go to a Catholic monastery and maybe we can have more access to Hispanic Americans who are Catholic, who have a spiritual bent, etc. So really open for advice. Yes, thank you for putting it out there and being awake to that. I think the question was also sort of proactive outreach. So another question is from Rachel about what Quaker philosophies and traditions will you be adopting from Kendall? That's a good one. You know, I always say I'm lucky that I, I have a partner I know won't lie to me. <laughs> business is unusual, right? They're wonderful people. There's two things that exist at Kendall that are very Quaker that we will use. One is consensus. So we don't vote. We collaborate. We come to consensus. And the other is Kendall's don't have activities directors. So people, the residents, are expected to rise up. And if you want to have a chess club, you can have a chess club. If you want to get a bus to go to the city for the symphony, you'll get support to do that. It's not a cruise ship. It's really about people self-determining what they want to do. And so even some of the ideas I've had, wouldn't it be nice to have this or that? If the community doesn't want to do that, it won't happen. What will happen is the community will live and cause what happens to happen. Another question from Tracy is about cost. Well, it's a model. It's called a continuing care retirement community. There are about 100 of them in California. And I think they're more predominant on the East Coast. And there's a very large entrance fee that usually comes from if you own a house, you sell your house, you put this fee down, and your estate gets 80% of it back when you die or when you choose to leave. So it sits in the community, it helps pay off the initial debt to construct, and then your estate gets most of it back. There's a monthly fee which pays for the food and the transportation and the access to healthcare and various things, which is about what it costs for each of us to live our lives in our own home. You know, maintenance, housekeeping, meal plans, those kind of things. So it's very similar to other communities such as Spring Lake Village or Verena, the Sequoias, you know, continuing care retirement communities. John Seisley is asking, some of us have been actively involved with Zen practice in dementia. Have you included practice in the memory care neighborhood? Thich Nhat Hanh speaks about how appropriate attention 
and the environment we create can be healing, even overcoming our genes. Have you planned for Zen practice in those living in the dementia neighborhoods? So what we've planned for is we set aside a room in the memory care area that is set up for volunteers who are going to come and be with the people who are in that area to sit down, center themselves together, talk about what they're going to be doing with their day, and then go out and help. And then at the end of their shift, come back in and meet again. The people who will be helping are going to be a small group of trained conscious spiritual friends for the people in the dementia area. We are also going to train the staff. Lots of things are evolving, new ways to work with this. I'm not an expert in it. I just know we will be cutting edge and work with whatever's available. I don't know about Thich Nhat Hanh's specific practices, but we're going to be awake. And I'm just also asking John's follow-up question. Mithuan knows well designed environment for dementia is actually treatment. Have you also included these considerations in design of the memory neighborhoods? Yeah, we have neighborhoods. We're in the process of hiring an executive director. And I've been trying to do both oversight and imagine programming. I don't have any experience in this. So Kendall has experience and we're hiring an executive director and that level of specificity of how we will use the dementia areas is going to evolve. And I don't have the answers, but we did set up spaces. I was just talking yesterday with the interior design people, but where are we going to put the piano? We decided to put the piano in assisted care and not in dementia care, but that could change. We want there to be people coming and engaging in that area. It will look just the same as assisted care. Assisted care and dementia care look the same. This is my favorite thing. The independent living floor In order to turn the corner and go down to the dining room, they have to walk through the assisted care area. So that's that sense of breaking down that barrier of, I don't want to go to assisted care. It means I'm going to die, right? How to get familiar and to not see it as strange and separate. So we did do that structurally. Yes, I think that's a great step because I have seen in communities where couples or partners get separated, where one has to move into assisted living and the other one can stay in independent living is often very dramatic. And this American system that the care doesn't follow you, but you have to follow the care. The more this can be broken down, the better. So it seems like a great effort to do that. The other thing we did is in the assisted care area, we have studios and we have one bedrooms so that both people could move to assisted care together, a couple, even if one wasn't quite ready, they could be together. And we licensed all the independent units so that assisted care can come into the units. They're all RCFE licensed. So until such time where it's actually financially better for you to move to assisted care, you can bring care into your own apartment. That's fantastic. That's really an innovative and human-centered way. I'm not surprised that a Zen and Quaker community is going this path. So another question is, Julie Petrosky says, I'm a member of Kaiser and need to continue my membership. What healthcare is nearby? Santa Rosa has Kaiser, Sutter, and something else. Also in Enzo Village, there's a clinic 
So doctors will come there. I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but there's a nice area and we will use that area for a pain clinic. One of our advisors is Grace Damon, who started the pain clinic at Laguna Honda after she was in a head-on collision in the Golden Gate Bridge, spent four years in rehab, went back to doctoring and has been working in the pain clinic there. She likes it when everyone in the pain clinic is in the same room and being treated together. So we've made space so that that could happen. It's not a question, but a comment. I love you, Susan. Thank you for sharing your vision from Yasmin. Yasmin, I think it's good to sprinkle this in here. And then for all the dog, cat, etc. lovers, a small pets being allowed. Absolutely. Yep. No horses, but dogs. No horses, no. And maybe no St. Bernard's, but yeah. Rachel asks for her mom, how booked up is Enzo Village at the moment? How much availability is there still? And are there more Enzo Villages in the future? We are very, very full right now. And we are starting to take a ready list, which means you put some money down and you actually take a unit if it becomes available. And if not, you get your money back and you'd have to re-enter the list. So it's been really popular. But as we get closer to opening, people will fall away. That always happens. People have health issues or they change their mind or whatever. So there will be openings. The way to work with that is to go in to the preview center in Healdsburg, meet the people. There's a scale model. It's wonderful. It's like having a little train set, you know, with the little people walking down the streets and the cars and trees and stuff. So you get a sense of the feel of the place. It's got little lights. So if you want to see, well, what would apartment 413 look like? And the light comes on in the window of that apartment so you can see where it is. So yeah, we're very, very subscribed, but there's hope. And if you're interested, please, please go and check it out. Will there be others? It's possible. It was so quickly subscribed and the financial people were so impressed with how strong the market is that they're ready to do another one. And frankly, you know, I am looking at another piece of property that is already entitled for senior living. We think that more people want to live this way. And if there are, well, how can we not keep doing it? So we'll see. In these times of uncertainty, Zen-inspired living can really be a bomb for everybody. Old age in the framework of Zen makes a lot of sense. When is Enzo Village opening? Our construction schedule, as you all know, that's fungible, but the fall of 2023. There's a question about fires and smoke. Of course, it's inevitable. There will be fires at least nearby. And we've built with a lot of, you know, care for the materials we use. Most of the buildings are concrete. There are some wood-based buildings but the roofs are metal and all of that. We have air filters, HEPA filters. They filter out both virus and smoke so that the air inside will be cleaner than the air outside when that's what's happening in that area. And everyone will have a to-go bag and there will be arrangements for people to be moved to another place. We will practice. It'll be better to be in this community than on your own in a house in Geyserville if the fire comes quickly. We will have the wherewithal to actually help people deal with it. It's sad that we have to talk about this, but that's our California reality. And Rachel also says the challenge is to make such humane housing available for people who can't afford this. 
We had to have a certain size just to have the finances work out. It costs so much to build and to buy land in California. One could do something like this in North Carolina. It would be less expensive, but people want to live in California. So that's been an issue. What I did was I looked for alternatives and I found this woman who is an American who's been doing retirement placement in Mexico. And she's got a tiny house village in Ajijic near Guadalajara. And her new one has got maybe 10 units, tiny, like, you know, 650 square feet or 550 square feet, something like that, built around each other with a little meditation hall in the middle of town so you can walk down and get food and you have little kitchens to cook. There's a way to do that. You put some money down and then you pay rent. Care is so much less expensive there. The spirit is the same. There'll be a Zen teacher in in residence in these tiny houses. So I've been working with her as that being an alternative, but you have to be willing to move out of the country. We just can't afford to do it less expensively in California. One of the things you're planning for the future is that Enzo Village is open for visitors, for the community also, for certain services and aspects. And as we all have gotten used to seeing each other on screen from our homes. I would imagine you also have an online component where people can sort of tap into what's happening at Enzo Village. Yeah, there will be ways to connect. One of the other design elements is we're not a gated community. There are locked doors, but there's not like a big fence around the buildings. People can walk into the farm area and around. There's another area that has a bocce ball court that is accessible to the wider community. If there is not a gate, maybe there's one of these beautiful Zen arches to walk through. (laughs) We'll see. Thank you so much, Susan, for giving us an introduction to this beautiful project and also a vision maybe to realize some of this from our own homes. And we'll look out for Enzo Village opening. I really appreciate and thank you for outlasting everybody. Thank you everybody for spending time with us. This episode of At Home On Air was produced by the At Home With Growing Older team. We could not host these conversations without the generosity of our marvelous and passionate guests and hosts. Thank you for sharing your personal and professional insights. Thank you to our live audience for your thoughtful contributions. To subscribe to this podcast and for more information, visit us at athomewithgrowingolder.org. Thank you to our sponsors, Rhoda Goldman Plaza, the jewel of San Francisco's assisted living and memory care communities, and the Walnut Foundation, a San Francisco family foundation. We would also like to thank, for their encouragement and inspiration, Encore.org, which works to bridge the intergenerational divide, and the Op-Ed Project, whose mission is to change who writes history. At Home with Growing Older strives to educate, inspire, and connect people across generations and disciplines to re-envision and improve the experiences of later life. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in for the next episode.